0: Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news, and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi.
1: Oh, I've got a great guest for you on today's episode of Private Club Radio. We're speaking with Henry Delosier. He's partner at Global Golf Advisors, and we've got a ton to talk about. We discuss real estate, what's going on there. We discuss trends in board governance and so much more. You're going to enjoy this one for sure. I am en route to Little Rock, Arkansas. Me and Norm Spitziger are going to be talking to the CMAA chapter of Arkansas and discussing some wildly successful membership marketing tactics and strategies for all generations. I'll be covering millennials and Generation X. Norm's going to be covering the baby boomers. And it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're interested in having us talk at one of your chapter meetings, one of your board retreats, please get in touch with either me or Norm. My email is gabe at privateclubagency.com. Just recorded the 100th episode this week with Rick Coffee, and it's going to be a blast. We're only a few short episodes away. That episode's going to air on December 4th when I'm up in Northern Ireland at the Club Leadership Summit. So I'm really looking forward to that conference. And we had to get the recording done ahead of time. So thank you to all those that participated, that called in and left a message. Really, it touched me. And so people just had such nice things to say. It was really above and beyond what I would have expected and just want to thank everybody for listening to this show for almost 100 episodes now. It's my pleasure to put this on for you each and every Monday. And thanks to all the guests who have been there throughout the show now going on nearly two years. We haven't missed a Monday yet. I don't plan to miss one moving forward. But thanks to all the guests who have contributed and been there for us to provide their knowledge so we can further our careers and grow this industry that we all love. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mr. Delosier. My guest today is Henry Delosier. He's a partner at Global Golf Advisors. And interestingly enough, Henry was named Golf Inc.'s top 10 most recommended consultants in the golf industry. So it's really a pleasure to have Henry back on the show. We had him uh, about a year ago now, back when we covered the National Club Association's recap show. But it's good to have him back on for a full interview. Henry, welcome once again to Private Club Radio.
0: Thank you, Gabe. Pleasure to be with you.
1: Yeah. So first off, congrats on that honor. I know you received that last year. Uh, from Golf Inc. What's the secret sauce, Henry, behind all of what you're doing?
0: (laughs) I'm not sure I know what the secret sauce is. Um, uh, From a a cultural standpoint in our firm, we we hope to treat our clients like family. Watch out for them, help them avoid missteps that could uh, create problems for them, and um, then help them find their way so that they are well-positioned to make good choices about the
1: future. Yeah, that's nice. And I mean, it, it, comes, it shows through your authenticity. And, and every time I uh, run across you at some of these industry events and things, and we were just in Riviera together this summer, I always enjoy picking your brain and, and getting your perspective. So I'm glad you could join us here today to, to share it with everyone here on Private Club Radio. Um, uh, pleasure. Yeah. So what trends, Henry, are you seeing impacting our industry right now?
0: You know the the trend that just persists for private clubs is membership recruitment and retention. Mm-hmm. You know the research our firm has done indicates that about six and a half percent of the 4,400 clubs in North America are full with a waiting list. So what's that? 375 to 380 clubs right. full um, have all the members they need. Or flipping it around the other way, 93.5%, more than 9 out of 10 clubs um, are looking for more members, and and it's in some cases, desperately so. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's that's number one. Number two, in terms of trends, is the elevated expectations of club members. Mm -hmm. Club members expect their club to be governed well. They expect the club to have comprehensive strategy like any successful business might. And then the, the third component that we see in terms of member expectations is the notion that there is a discernible flight quality over the last 10 years. Um, it, it rewards those clubs that are progressively improving their amenities, their programs, you know, their capabilities, and it punishes those that hunker down and don't demonstrate a willingness to move forward. The other the other trend that is unmistakable in private clubs is the growing commitment to um, environmentalism, mm-hmm. and I mean more than I mean more than uh, proper lawn care or attentive uh, care of greens and grounds. Um, programs that are causing the um, club to become an environmental sanctuary. You know, we have so many examples of clubs that have started beekeeping, who, the, the clubs where uh, programs to expand the species audit and capability uh, uh, are growing, That that's a trend that's that's clear cut and, and, and I don't see it going away. Um, so those are trends that pop into my mind right off the bat that mm. seem to be recurring in most clubs.
1: Good stuff there, Henry. Now, I know that uh, speaking of environmentalism, You've actually served as chairman of Audubon International, which is a pretty cool little known fact, most likely to most people. Um, Has that always been a passion of yours? And what is that like? Uh, I grew up on a farm.
0: So I saw up close and personal uh, how what we do uh, with the land and with the earth that we've been given uh, matters. And so it, it certainly has been a thing that carried through in my life. Um, and I find it so uh, gratifying in my work to see so many people who are dedicated to creating a safe haven in their clubs and uh, cre- in, in creating a place where families can truly enjoy the, the natural beauties that their clubs offer. So, yeah, it is a theme that kind of carries through. And perhaps I see it because I'm sensitive to it, but I also think I see it because so many other people can see it as well.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get back to your, one of your, your main points there in terms of some of the trends that you're seeing impact the industry. You talked about governance. So let's take a little deeper dive there, Henry, and maybe you could give us a couple of your maybe top, top two or three tips for clubs that want to become a little bit better in their governance structure.
0: Yes, I'd be happy to. The the first one is simply the willingness to focus on proper governance. Um, nonprofit governance is well documented. I'm I'm proud to work with uh, a gentleman by the name of Fred Laughlin, who literally wrote the book, which is the club management I'm sorry, the club governance model. Mm-hmm. Fred uh, spent 40 years at PricewaterhouseCoopers, leading their nonprofit governance practice. Uh, Fred joined Global Golf Advisors several years ago and is really uh, a master in this field. And one of the things that we see happening in private clubs is this move toward um, the expectation of club members that the club will govern itself in a responsible manner and responsible means with transparency, with a high level of board accountability and with a high level of engagement with members, that this is not some, uh, an un- unknowable board that sits on high and makes commanding decisions with which everyone else must uh, deal. Uh, in fact, now private club members expect their boards to be accessible. And as I mentioned earlier, they expect regular communication that signifies that there is a level of, of uh, transparency in their dealings. Um, it, such basic things as... Uh, board confidentiality commitment so that the decisions and activities of the board do not leak out into the, into the bar or onto the first tee. Mm-hmm. Um, members expect boards will commonly understand the requirement that there not be a conflict of interest so that um, board board members are not making decisions that directly benefit them. That That is considered to be a standard practice nowadays. You know, the, the old habit of, someone who owns the local insurance company who also happens to be on the board and happens to direct the insurance policy or the insurance program of the club to their firm. Right. Um, those 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 behaviors are no longer uh, tolerated in most private clubs. The the other matter of governance that we see is more precision. And I by precision I mean there's been a steady decline over the last decade in the number of board members, you know, now our research says that the average number of board members is 9.2, mm-hmm. uh, down from over 11 just a couple of years ago. Uh, that, that means also a decline in the number of board committees so that the board can be, as I say, more precise in executing its responsibilities. Uh, an, another good example of where boards are, are being more um, accountable uh, in their dealings is in the in the issue of how people are nominated for board service. Uh, you know, It used to be it was the Old Boys Network where everyone knew that friends of, of certain people would be nominated for the board and certain other people would not. Mm-hmm. And the process is becoming more democratic and more inclusive so that club members can see that their club is well-led and can participate in governance where they choose to do so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear. I mean, I'm sure you you travel to so many clubs around the the country and around the world. Is there one horror story without naming any names <laughs> that might be a good example of of what not to do and and give people some insights on on how to avoid that?
0: Well, there's a there's a horror story that is sometimes recurring, and that is um, you know one of the maxims of Fred Laughlin's is that. A board deliberates as many and governs as one. In, in other words, it's it's understood and acceptable that there should be differences of opinion that the, in the boardroom. Those boardroom issues should be discussed openly, candidly, uh, certainly respectfully, but there shouldn't be any punches pulled. Once the board has made a decision, however, then the board needs to go forth and all of the board members need to be able to go to the to the men's lounge or the first tee, and when put upon by one of their friends as to how the heck did the board make this decision, I know you don't agree with that. The proper answer is I strongly support the the work of the board, and as a member of the board, I support the decision that has been made. And really, that's enough said on that topic, as opposed to, well, I really didn't like this program, and as you know, I'm opposed to it, but it was a pet project of Gabe, So now we're stuck with it. Right. And you know, that's, that's not responsible governance. So if, if, if a board is going to govern as one, uh, it needs to be able to maintain a level of discretion. We see that, that matter of discretion violated routinely in so many clubs. So um, without naming names, that's, that's a shoe that, that fits many clubs.
1: Sure. Yeah. What's the best advice you'd have for going about and kind of changing a culture of that kind of gossip going on, or you know those those types of backroom conversations?
0: It's it's a matter of holding of of the board members holding one another accountable. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of someone speaking up in the boardroom and saying, "Okay, tough decision. I know we're not all on board with that. Let's just revisit the fact that we've made a commitment that one of our performance criteria for this board is we're going to maintain a level of confidentiality for what is, is discussed and decided in the boardroom takes in the boardroom mm-hmm. is everyone is everyone still on board with that and committed to it mm-hmm. and then if you know and you know the remarkable things that thing about private clubs is, is the, the word travels fast and bad bad news seems to travel even faster and so uh, then the question becomes um, did everyone honor that commitment or did someone leave the boardroom and spill the beans? And um, then the board members need to hold one another accountable that, Hey, uh, I thought we had decided this wasn't going to be leaked out. Now I'm hearing about it in the men's grill. Now I'm hearing about it at the, from the moms around the swimming pool. Um, We've got to redouble our efforts and be more discreet and more uh, mutually respectful of the decision-making that we do.
1: Mm Yeah, right. Absolutely. So,
0: so it, you know, under the for me, under the heading of horror stories, that's one I seem to see a lot.
1: You can imagine. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's change gears a little bit here and talk about, I know another one of your uh, passions and expertise is is um, the real estate market and uh, homes. And so what do you see in the residential home markets right now, Henry? Do you think that we're heading for another bubble? What What do you see coming down the pipe?
0: Well, the housing market in many municipalities in many of metropolitan statistical areas is more inflated now than it was in 2007. Wow! Yeah, uh, there is there is great demand for housing. There is great demand, especially among affluent people who could afford to live near or be members of a private country club. So, this is a great time for private clubs. You know, i said that for several years now because all of the attributes that drive growth for private clubs are evident and at the same time most clubs seven out of ten of the clubs developed in the last 30 years or so are developed for the purpose of advancing or increasing the value of real property adjacent to the club whether that's in a resort whether that's in a private club community so the Activities of the housing market certainly are going to impact private clubs. They have been lifting private clubs for the last several years, really since the recessionary cycle. Yeah. There was a period of time where there was a drag and there was a shortage of supply of of the type of housing that uh, people of means would, would would want to buy. That has been good for many club communities. And at the same time, uh, somewhere i believe in 2000 late 18 or 2019 we're going to see a slowdown that is going to catch some clubs unprepared the, the clubs that have not been watching their local market conditions that have not been tracking sales activity around their club may find themselves ill prepared for a market that may soften or slow and that and that suggests that Bearing in mind that nine out of 10 clubs are still looking for more members, they, the private clubs are well advised to see that your new member pipeline is full, that you have a lot of prospects, that you have many leads coming to the club because you're going to need those to get you through a tough time.
1: Yep. yeah, yeah. I think you're you're right on there. Now, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, Henry, but are there any particular areas of the country that you'd be a little bit more bullish about or more bearish about?
0: Well, uh, Florida is is really running hot right now. Florida markets on, on both of the south south and uh, southeast and southwest coasts are vibrant. There are a lot of home and housing activity, and so those are th- those are markets that are running really well right now. The Texas markets have been modest uh, in the wake of Hurricane Harvey and the impacts from that. In the in the likely scenario that sees oil and gas prices escalating that will drive new housing growth and new housing activity in the state of Texas mm-hmm. um, market uh, uh, you know a market like Seattle has exploded you know long uh, a home for Boeing and Microsoft now Amazon dramatically impacting that market in terms of people of economic means, um, looking to buy homes or, or rent apartments, uh, a, a very prosperous market. You know, there's a an interesting characteristic that we observed in the last recessionary cycle, and that was in markets where there is a convergence of state universities and a state capital, there is more stable, uh, more is a more stable housing economy. You know, and if you if you really think about it. There, those are a lot of government jobs. There are a lot of people who can qualify for a mortgage. So cities like uh, let's say Columbia, South Carolina, or Austin, Texas, Lincoln, Nebraska, Madison, Wisconsin, they don't go crazy hot when the market is running well, mm-hmm. and they also don't cool off as extremely and lose market value as, as other markets that are that and, and flow with the tide. So, um, certain characteristics come into play and it's important for leaders of clubs and managers of clubs to understand how the housing market is going to impact them.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And it's good that you've, you've got you guys, Global Golf Advisors as such a wonderful resource in that area. Uh, so I definitely recommend Thank if you. you're interested more in, in the, in the residential, side of things and the home markets that definitely get in touch with Henry and discuss it further with him. Um, Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Henry, is that you recently conducted some pretty interesting millennial research. And I was wondering if you could share some of the findings from that report and what you saw as being some of the more interesting things that came out of it.
0: There were several things, Gabe, and thank you. Uh, That work was uh, in. fairness to my colleagues we have a number of millennials working at global golf advisors and they really embraced this study uh, because candidly as as we all do they were going to the world conference they were going to other meetings um, nca's annual meeting and what we hear so often is um, uh, well the millennials are not interested in clubs well the millennials don't play golf and of course they weren't so sure that it's that easy to throw a loop around all millennials everywhere. And what what our research showed was um, that, first of all, millennials have a broader range of interests. And when it comes to a club, they want their club to be inclusive. They want their club to have characteristics of with which they identify, like uh, diversity, like inclusiveness, like environmental responsibility. Those things really matter to millennials. The next thing is they expect a broader platform of, of activities than simply golf or simply tennis. They, they want socialization around those things. They want to they want to have an environment that is dynamic and, um, if you will, is more reflective of what of the locations they seek out elsewhere in their lives, so that they're able to find high levels of engagement and stimulation when they participate at their club. Mm-hmm. One one. Other finding that came out loud and clear, and that is, private clubs matter most to millennials when they become, when they start reaching the age, which are those years that are their child rearing years. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily child bearing years, but when when a child when a family has a child and they they start rearing that child and they want them in a certain socioeconomic setting. They want them to have access to certain programs like junior golf, swim, tennis, and so forth. Then the club really starts to resonate. And again, back to why is it important that private clubs understand their local markets? Because as women have chosen to start families later in their lives, that means that in some cases, there's a greater distance, age distance between parents and children. Right. And that becomes an important characteristic in private clubs. So um, as as we conducted that millennial research, we certainly were able to verify the idea that clubs matter to millennials, that they are not dismissing them out of hand. And at the same time, their expectations for their club are far greater and and, and different than the baby boomer generation, for example, or Generation X.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think you're dead on there. I mean, I think it's been been said many times of that of the millennial generation of which I belong. That um, you know, I think millennials appreciate access over ownership, and to some degree, private clubs offer that in in a lot of ways. In terms of uh, the experiences, is what millennials seem to value more than anything else. And and what better place to have an experience for you and your whole family than at one of our private clubs? At least that's my.
0: You said, it. <laughs> you, you said it really well, Gabe. And, and you know, there's another thing that those of us who are, who, who are uh, older than the millennial generation uh, fail to understand is that the millennial generation has a similar span of years to the baby boomer generation. Right. And so trying to paint all millennials with the same brush is is bad strategy
1: yeah that's true i think the mid-20s and and mid-30s you know are are completely different in and of themselves almost yeah
0: absolutely even though they all fall under the heading of being millennials what i want in my 20s is far different than what i want as i pointed out once i start thinking about a family and once my wife and i start considering where we will locate
1: Yep, that's right that's right Well, Henry, I really appreciate you uh, coming on today's show. And it was just, I could go on forever with you. Um, I just really enjoyed it. So I definitely hope that you'll come back here very shortly and join us once again on Private Club Radio. But in the meantime, how do folks reach out to you, Henry, or learn more about you and Global Golf Advisors?
0: Well, um, we have a website, which is globalgolfadvisors.com. I'm always happy to share whatever information I have or help in any way that I can my email address is hdlosier at Global Golf Advisors. And my mobile number that I have in my hand so often is 602-739-0488.
1: Awesome, Henry. Thank you again so much. It was just a pleasure to have you on today's episode.
0: Thank you very much, Gabe. It was my
1: pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next week, here's to your membership success.
0: Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn
1: more.